just the American hippie movement is in my blood. It just is. The potent, the era after Billy Graham. I don't know. I just think it's just so strange that I'm in this body, in this place, and born to this family, and part of this church, and the things that have happened to me. It's weird. Are we going? We're live. We just started this show, and it, maybe it was a bad idea. Maybe it was a good idea. I just played uh, one of my favorite songs is a worship song called "Hymn of Heaven" by Brian Johnson, uh, Bethel. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show. In this episode, we're gonna go back to a solo show. It's been a couple weeks. I'm gonna talk about why it's faith, why uh, faithfulness always pays off. It's good to be faithful to your convictions. I'm going to speak from personal experience. I'm going to speak on identity and how we should identify ourselves as Christians. The weight and legacy of our seemingly small decisions. And then the importance of fathers in the home. Father's Day was yesterday. We're filming this on Monday. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to start off with this story I've been wanting to tell for a long time. I'm going to tell the full story. You guys are getting the down low here. But, uh, 2021, I, most of the people close to me know the story, but it, it kind of has to do with the cancel story that has happened to me, you know, like just not sticking to my guns, not, not submitting to the BLM thing. Well, it kind of, in the next year, kind of carried over on my reputation. Well, I was doing a business situation with a company out of Nashville, a company that I really admired and respected, a prominent denim company. And uh, we worked for like six to eight months on a project, exclusive pieces for their collection. They sent out their marketing guy weeks before... We were going to do the promotion. And then uh, as soon as the marketing guy went back after shooting content, video, photos, all that stuff of our pieces that were made, um, they, I got a phone call the next day and the creative director I was speaking with uh, said, we can't move forward with this deal. You... Uh, What's the deal with all this uh, this drama that happened? He said on Instagram. Um, he he found out that I was canceled in twenty twenty, and then they decided that they couldn't affiliate with me, and so they pulled everything. And they said, "No, we're not going to do that. We can't move forward. So figure out what you need to do um, to make this right." And I was crushed. I loved this company mostly for shallow reasons, but this company is a, we got another one. We, we got do. another yeller. You, you probably can't hear at home, but we have the, uh, the opportunity to hear someone serenading us from the outside. Again, I'm sorry to interrupt the story. Um, 
<clears throat> so they canceled the order order and um and it's just so sad because when I'm when I first moved to Nashville, this was the company that kind of enveloped Nashville. And I'm gonna tell you the company name. The company is Imogene and Willie. I love this company. Such a cool company. Great founders. I don't know what went wrong. Um, awesome denim company, American-made denim, great jeans. I'm wearing them right now. But I'm so bummed. I'm still bummed that they, they dropped me. I was so stoked. I was like going to be their exclusive jewelry dealer. All these different things. And then they found out that I was like not into BLM. And they were like, yeah, we can't do it. And I was actually genuinely crushed. I was in 2021. For a good little while there. And thankfully I'd moved churches and I, I found a, a great community. Um, a bunch of people from the church and from outside of the church who came alongside me, supported me after that whole scenario happened before them canceling me or, you know, deleting the order. Um, and something cool came out of it. Kind of a redeeming moment. Thanks to uh, Calvary Church, through the Heitzigs. We became friends with them. Um, and what's strange is the Heitzig family here in Albuquerque, the... Uh, Skip Heitzig's the, the pastor of Calvary Al, Al, of Albuquerque. Um, and he's good friends with Franklin Graham. And Franklin Graham was doing a tour. He was doing a Route 66 God Loves You tour. And he just so happened to be coming by around that time. And Sissy Graham Lynch came by, spoke at the church. She came by the shop and she ended up buying some jewelry. And I told her this story, and she was like, no way. I'm going to bring my dad. And sure enough, they came by. How cool is this? It says, Courage Under Fire. This is an article in the Decision Magazine. Pretty classic magazine by the Billy Graham Ministry, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And... um. They did a whole article on us. They came to the shop. They did a whole video. They posted about us and uh, kind of highlighted the whole story, but, specific, but specifically the, the dropping of my jewelry, the dropping of the whole sale from that big, it was a 25,000, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> getting into the nitty gritty here, but uh, it, they, you know, they really messed me up. I invested a lot of my year into that, into that project. But here comes... Franklin Graham and Sissy Graham Lynch and the Church of the Rescue, and they, 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 they blessed us big time. Did an article. I got to share my story outside of that whole event about how I came to Jesus. I'll have to screenshot this and send it. I might have actually have it on my Instagram, but there was a redeeming situation that happened through all of that mess. But what's so sad is you got Imogene and Willie was an honorable company. And now they're like shilling all these different things, dude. Like they're anti-gun now. Like they're in the red state of Tennessee. 
and they're like doing events for no guns. Yeah, that's the post there. They did a big event, brought a bunch of people over. I'm sure they're like getting some controversy for it. I'm sure not everybody's stoked about it. I'm not stoked about it. And then they did like, uh, <clears throat> they're like support, it's Pride Month, so they're kind of supporting Pride Month. Low, low five with the rainbows on their website. And then there's like Juneteenth stuff. Today's Juneteenth. And I like, I keep seeing these things. And I'm like, oh man, we dodged a bullet actually. Like I would probably feel guilty associating with them as ironic as it is. You know, they're like feeling funny associating with me. I'm like, oh man, I was, you know, working with them. And I'd feel, I'd feel weird, conflicted. And so I told my wife that I was like, oh man, look at this. And yeah, I think we dodged a bullet, but although the whole point of it is, oh, you know, the reason I wanted to bring that up was like this idea of like faithfulness. And um, I guess this is part of the show and tell too. I mean, that's pretty cool. Right, we've got a little write, like a whole spread in this magazine. Super redeeming from a super uh, down moment in my life. But I think the point is, is that I, in 2020, all of that stuff, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't back down. And I think the Lord proved his faithfulness to me. She brought us on her, her, her podcast, this is actually the first podcast, one of the first podcasts I ever did, but just Sissy Graham Lynch, she did a podcast on us. Where we told the whole story, you can listen to it. Maybe I'll link it in the description, that'd be fun. Um... But yeah, that's kind of that story. That's the show and tell. Let's get into the show. Happy Father's Day, Chorus. How was your Father's Day? Uh, I'm not a father. I know, but but uh, it was a it was a great time. You got to celebrate it with the rest of the world. Yeah, we did. We uh, we got to chill with my dad and and do some cool stuff. Um, specifically, we did a crawfish boil for the first time. Oh, so these are live live crawfish. You would be ready for this. Wow. Uh, it was a wild experience trying to uh, keep these things alive for a couple of days before we were Whoa. ready to uh, to boil them. I don't know anything about this. So we had to order them overnight. Uh, from this company in Louisiana and they ship them in a crate. You have to crack the crate as soon as they get to you and you have to keep them alive for a couple of days until you're ready to drop them for the boil. Oh, and, so you're live uh, killing them right now. Yes. This right now, you just watch like a hundred souls go to wherever crawdads <laughs> go. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Did you dropped them in like oil? No. So it's actually water. So we got, we got this giant jet burner. You fill it with water and they send like two pounds of seasoning and a bunch of vegetables that you add. Mm. And you kind of make this whole stew of crawfish, and then you do like a peel-and-eat situation. So what is this culture? This is Creole, Louisiana. Louisiana. Louisiana, yeah, straight up Louisiana. So what was the inspiration there? We Okay, so my dad has always loved crawfish, and every year we used to take him for his birthday to a restaurant in town to get them, and they discontinued that through COVID. So we keep talking about, man, we, you know, I wish we could go back and get crawfish like we used to, like, like the old days. And uh, we finally figured out that we could, I found a vendor online that would send them overnight 
And I was like, all right, let's just make it an investment. It'll be That's a tradition. Crazy. So it was super fun. And we'll, we'll do like, you know, crab and other stuff. But wait, how you this is the first year you've done? First year oh, we've okay. ever done it at home like this. Because we used to just go to the restaurant yeah. and make a big deal of it. But it's been hard to do the last like two or three years. Sure. So we're like, all right, we're going to change the tradition. We're going to do it at home and we'll, we'll ship crawfish to home. So Dang. It was fun. It was dirty. You have to clean them out, look for dead ones, pull them out. And I was like watching YouTube on how to identify healthy ones and weird but it was fun. so you literally just throw them in live you cook them live all of the things that they've eaten everything that's yeah how do you eat them uh okay so what you do is you you twist it's kind of gross you twist the tail and the head off okay and then if you're like og you crush you you suck out the like guts from the head from the body it's like the torso up and like suck it up and that's like full of flavor discard that and then you peel the shell off of the tail, and it's basically like a tiny little lobster tail uh. that you're eating. Uh, it's weird. It's not for for like you know newcomers. It's kind of like lobster, though. It's kind of like if lobster was a was a uh, bottom feeder. So 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 crawfish are not bottom feeders. No, crawfish are bottom feeders. Okay. Yeah. So we, this is not kosher. No, okay, guys. This is this is the opposite <laughs> of kosher. And what's funny is they also send a pound of pork sausage. So what do you th- what do you think about the idea that um, Lobsters, crabs, I guess now craw- crawfish, uh, crawdads, whatever. Crawdads. Are um, like the cockroaches of the sea. I can kind of attest to it. Because so you're literally eating crickets in I, a sense. I am you're pretty doing much the w, WF agenda. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> voluntarily. I caved, I caved bro. No, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty gnarly. We had a couple of friends over and like they were all down and then they saw them like live and then on the table, like ready to go. And they were like, ah, really? They backed out. I can't hang. Yeah. And what's funny is that they become delicacies or like luxury foods. Like, is that a luxury food in Louisiana? It's or is not, it just it's a not culture like, food? It's almost like green chili. Like <clears throat> okay. uh, all summer, there, there's like a two-month window or three-month window when they're in season, and that's the only time you can get them. And so they get them by the pound, and they do huge like boils, crawfish boils out in the backyard. Yeah. And so it's like a seasonal kind of like tradition. Yeah. Not, not quite a delicacy. They're, they're definitely bottom feeders, and yeah. you know that. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's like families have their own secret you know, recipes and seasoning. How weird. Yeah, I have no idea of, of uh, I guess that would be Southern culture. Yeah, it's it's like Southern and like Louisiana is different. Yeah, it's, I would imagine. It's, it's more like, like, it's Creole. It's like, yeah, it's different. I yeah. don't know. Caribbean. But Caribbean, yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. It was fun. Well, cool, man. I, uh, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm kind of sick, actually. Uh yeah, the, like Friday, I came down with like a little thing, you know, like a sore throat. And then I was like, oh, no, because I had to play it at church. And, um, and I thought, oh, no, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. Bree had to do a wedding on Saturday. She was doing hair for a wedding. So I was with the kids for a few hours. And I was like, oh, no, this is bad. I'm getting really exhausted. Thankfully, the kids were really good. Now, let me rest a little bit. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> but. The sore throat didn't advance uh, too quickly. And so on Saturday night, I was able to do the rehearsal, sing the songs. And then Sunday morning, I woke up after a good amount of rest and we played. And I think it went well. Solid crew. Yeah, this is uh, one of the live. <laughs> this, is, this is from the live, um, one of the live 
whatever's jeez but man my, my throat was like kind of we had such a blast though i was like on the third song we we're just running all over the stage we had, i just had a blast but it's crazy because then i felt better like when we were playing and then afterwards I, I got this like adrenaline dump and the rest of the day yesterday father's day i was just drained man i was just zoinked and we went out to bosky farms and for what would you do out there my dad my dad they have they have a little, little house out there oh, okay. and um so we had some barbecue drinks all that stuff <clears throat> but what's cool about this song not this one you know it kind of relates to the beginning of the, the show about like being faithful like i don't know but this song i i first heard this song from sean foyt uh I guess he's out of Bethel, right? Yeah, he's associated with Bethel in some way. Can you pull that up, that um, Sacramento yeah, thing? Totally. Uh, he, so what's funny about that song, and I'm actually really happy I got to sing that song on Father's Day. It was that song and another one. It was uh, Praises the Highway. These are two both, both Bethel songs, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I came out of like a a rigid season, like a kind of legalistic, very reformed, not, not that there's anything wrong with reformed, I'm, I'm, I'm reformed, but the culture out of a lot of reformed churches tends to be very rigid, very strict. And I sang one of Bethel's songs at, at the church I was at and um, I got in trouble. Yeah, there's, he's singing it right there. And we're not gonna play it for copyright reasons, but um, what's so cool about this is that I was in a really dark place and I watched this. This was in the height of 2020, dude. I have so much respect for Sean Foyt. He's a radical. He's a straight up radical. And uh, they're in front of the Capitol in Sacramento right now, the capital of California. It's crazy how many people turned out. Like, yeah. I wouldn't expect that big of a crowd yeah. given the, the circumstances. And this is during like masks mandatory masks this is california this is blue state stuff and they're out there singing songs he actually says he's like nobody was like willing to do it except for like a few russian guys like like the, his band was like russian dudes that were just like i'm down really like they're straight out of like so the that, that's not like his group that's I, not like his band not not as from bethel necessarily like they had a, there was a lot of cultural splits that were happening during that time i don't know any of the inside honestly but i just kind of heard from podcasts that they were having issues. He was having issues getting people to do the things he wanted to do. He wanted to go out and, and give people life in a time of death and a time of darkness. So he wanted to worship Jesus in the, in the middle, in front of the state capitol. And so he did it. And at, at the time, nobody was doing anything, right? Nobody, there was, it was all dark. It was just hopelessness. And I remember sitting on the couch in, at, at night and, and I was in a dark place. And I, and I came across this on YouTube. YouTube, thank you, YouTube, for suggesting this video to me. Um, not all is lost, YouTube. Um, thank you. But I, was, I, was, I watched this, and I was reminded of my youth, reminded of, like, because I came out of the vineyard. I came out of this hippie. It's not cool, like, necessarily. Like, it's cool in the rebellious, like, it's, it's punk give, rock, Given dude. the circumstance, it's like, it's this very is cool. totally counterculture. But yeah. for, from an outside perspective, someone who's unaware of the situation we were all in, yeah. this is just church, right? Without the context, yeah, exactly. This is just like a typical church. But the context made this so punk rock, so 
I don't know, just awesome. And so I remember sitting on the couch and I was listening to this, like, kind of like, is this real? And then you see it, and there's like a couple people in there with masks, but everybody's not, and they're happy. And if you could put yourself in that situation again, like this. It's just, probably the first time so they sad. got together in, in who yeah. knows how long. Yeah. I don't remember when this was released, but it was in, in the summer. And so lockdowns, everything. And there they are just singing songs, beautiful songs to Jesus. And a few times during that, oh, it's like an hour. How long? It's like an hour and a half or something. Yeah, few, uh, about an hour and a half. And a few times I, I was laying down on the couch and I had to stand up and I was like, whoa, praise you, Lord. I don't know. I was just so overwhelmed with emotion. And, 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 and I can't explain it, but there was like a genuine like spirit revival. I was experiencing like this mm. injection of like hope watching this and his courage and their courage and their boldness and the people showing up and them and their enthusiasm. I was like, There's, this, is, this is it. You know, when Jesus says, you got to be like these little ones, like the kids, the children, the childlike faith. I just, that was it. And I was reminded of, oh, wow, that's what it is. The purity. I just want to go out there and I want to worship Jesus. If I get in trouble, I get in trouble. And what's cool is he actually shares a story in the middle of this. And he says how he was in the mission trips and he was in, in the Iraq or I don't know, he was in Afghanistan or some, something. And there were like terrorists. And, and I was just like, well, this guy's seasoned. You know, he's been in it. He's been in the thick of it. And it just reminded me of my youth because I, I kind of come from that same culture, doing mission trips, going to Thailand. Not that I was in danger, <laughs> like he was, war-torn country, but um, I was like, whoa. And, and a part of my past came alive in me again, and it was like this thing. So when I opened up the show and I was a little bit emotional, I was kind of tuning myself to that. And, and, I, and I told him, I was like, you got to pull this up because I want to tell that story. So what happened is I, I was like, oh, shoot, man, I'm, I'm stoked up again. I got this fire in me. And so I took this and I was like, I'm going to play one of these songs at church. And at the church I was at, I played it. And it was called Praise is the Highway, is the song. And to me, it represented this like power, revival of hope. Come on, let's praise. And, and it was the same culture. It was the same culture. It was dark. It was... My church was discouraged, divided. And so we sang that song, and I was hopeful. I thought, hey, this is going to be awesome. Well, not going to name names here, but uh, the pastor didn't like it. He was like, oh, that song's heretical. And I heard about it in the middle of the service, not the second service, rather, right before the second service. And they wanted to pull the song, and they did. And there's nothing heretical about it. It's poetry that praises the highway to the throne of God is, this, is the essence of the song. Essentially to posture yourself in a manner of praise and humility towards your Lord. But because it wasn't explicitly gospel or it wasn't explicitly scripture, they're like, pull it. And I was like, oh, bummer. Choking life. It's a dying church. But praise God because... He eventually led me to a, a church with life in it. And we ended up moving to a different church. Now I have friends that still go there. That's not to say it's a dead church. I'm not saying that, but man, we got to let it live, you know? <clears throat> so I just wanted to share that story. 
because I think that the Lord was faithful in bringing me. Because honestly, I wouldn't be with Chorus here right now. That's true. I, I, I wouldn't I never be. thought of that. I wouldn't. This magazine would have never happened. You know, I would have never got that Billy Graham situation, that uh, Franklin Graham, Sissy Graham, the redemptive arc of of the uh, I'm Gina Willie thing. God has a way of redeeming things, and it's difficult to see it in the moment. It's difficult to understand, you know, like, Lord, like if I go out on this one right now, if I stay faithful, if I stand against Pride Month, if I stand against whatever, oh no, I might lose business. I might not be able to feed my family. Well, what's cool is I, I am a living example of the Lord being faithful to, to me and my obedience. Not that I'm perfectly obedient because I'm absolutely not, but I'm just saying these two examples I can say, I can attest that the Lord is faithful, even when we are faithless. So to build you up a little bit. Okay. I wanted to chat about, I guess that kind of is actually a perfect uh, little segue here. So the weight of our decisions and the legacy of our decisions, how they kind of carry over. And they could be positive decisions. They could be bad decisions. They could be your parents' decisions. They could be your great-grandparents' decisions. And how the, the, the gravity of those decisions affect our lives now. I was talking about that with my dad, my mom. Like what's craziest if my parents never came to the Lord. I hope my mom's okay with this, but uh, she had a struggling period in her life. Um, she dealt with alcoholism and praise God she came out of it. But it was a dark period for our entire family. And it had potential to really tear my family, not just my family apart, but ripple effects into the rest of the family, right? Because my life has consequence. All of her kids' lives have, has, have consequences. And we're related to other people who have, are related to us. You know, so the consequences, they, they, they ripple out. But I came across this video and it just, it made me, it made me feel super heavy. Uh, not, just show it. Let's just play it. For the audio listener, it's a, it's like an illustration of a bird. There's like a ball, a yellow ball, juice or something. And he drinks it. And gets high or something. He looks so happy at first. And it just gets increasingly... The high gets less and less pleasant. And the consequences get greater and greater. Falls on his face. And the high pretty much just disappears. No more pleasure. Just darkness. I think the video is so relatable because I think we can all 
relate to it uh, in one way or another with one habit or another. How, how at, at some point it's, um, it's like the first time you have a beer or something, you know, the first time you have, I don't know, I've never really done drugs, but I imagine it's like that. I shared this with my dad and my nephew last yesterday and I shared it with Chorus a week ago and it just made me super emotional. But it makes me think of the people and we talked about it. Guy yelling out here. He's in despair and he's coping. Who knows if he has family? You know, maybe his dad screwed him over. And he's having a hard time getting out of it, so he's doing drugs. Or maybe he screwed someone over and he feels guilty. Or maybe he lost his job. Or maybe, like that bird, he just kept getting high, getting high. And now he's schizophrenic on central, high on drugs, sad as can be. Sorry, this is dark. Whoa. But I was saying that with my nephew and my dad, and I got as emotional as I am now. And I feel, feel two ways. I feel for <clears throat> my sunglasses when you need them. I feel really grateful. I feel really grateful. I, I think I heard it last night. It was after I said that with my dad. He said, 2% of people really make it out of habits like that. And my mom was the, among the 2%. If that's true, that's crazy. But the vast majority of people don't. And so the other way I feel is really sad because you see them all the time you know most of the time you just see them sleeping on the sidewalk and you're like ah get a life but with fuller context you're like dang that sucks it's not to say it's an excuse but they're coping Everybody has a hard life in one way or another. What is this? I think I, I knew I was going to get emotional. I didn't know. So yeah, I'm grateful that I'm like lucky enough to have, you know, a mom that overcame her habit addiction 
But it's interesting because I think we get locked into that habitual identity. It's like, I'm just a failure. I'm an idiot. I'm, I suck, you know? If you've been there, you know. I've been there in, in certain ways, with certain things. Video games, that was a big one for me. Porn, lust, alcoholism at times. And you could get hopeless. And you could start thinking, I'll never overcome this. I'll never get out of here. And it locks you up. It's a big lie. But unless, you know, something intervenes, you won't change. And my mom, I think, uh, she didn't have the most life, I don't know, encouraging, what would you call it, positive affirmation from her parents necessarily. She grew up pretty tough. She told me one time, ah, geez. Dang it. I can't even keep it together, man. She told me that her dad didn't really ever tell her she, that he loved her, you know? God. So she had to overcome a lot, you know? But praise God. She found Jesus. You know, there's a... Jeez, I don't even know if we can show this, dude. This is crazy. I think we have to. I think some things are... Some things are bigger than the way we can one-line it or polish it, and this is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm sure that that even informs the way that you parent your kids, you know, the way you choose to father your children, you know? Absolutely. My dad, I'm just, sorry, I'm just going to, you know, my dad shared a story a couple of months ago. We went to lunch or dinner. And, you know, he had a dad, his dad loved him. You know, it was a different time. Our parents grew up in a different time for sure. Jeez, the coddling of our generation is just insane. But he told me, he's like, you know, all my friends would, you know, they were in baseball leagues or whatever. So I'd go and, you know, I'd walk over to the baseball field and say hi to him through the chain link fence or whatever. Because his parents didn't get him and couldn't afford it or whatever. So he'd just like hang out with his friends behind the gate as they played baseball. And I was like, dang, that's sad. But... It's just interesting how some of those things kind of carve our, our identity. And uh, that's, part, that's what I wanted to talk about is the, our, our, our identity. And that regardless of, uh, of our background, what's cool is, is that we have, we have a subjective identity that's kind of put into us through 
uh, our nurture or lack thereof for some of us. And, uh, and then there's also this, the beauty of Christianity, really. And I experienced this firsthand, but, you know, when you're adopted into the family of Christ, when you're, when you come to Jesus, we played this weekend, like I said, and it was awesome because at the end of each service, there's three services, one on Saturday, two on Sunday. And at the end of every service, Kevin Miller, who's, who preached, he, he gave an opportunity, he did like an altar call. If you want to give your, Lord, your life to the Lord, come up and, uh, you know, it's Father's Day, so it's, it's on the mind. But there was a, a few dads that brought their sons up, and I was like, whoa, how cool, powerful. And I told the guy I was leading with, Lino, and I said, hey, dude, isn't it crazy? Could you imagine a better gift to give your dad than to give your life to the Lord? But what's cool about it is we're all born to earthly fathers, and all of those fathers, whether or not you had one in your life, will fail one way or another. But what's beautiful about the faith is that everyone's invited into the family of God, where, is there, where there is a perfect father who is perfectly good, perfectly faithful. And so whether or not you had a dad or had a good dad or there's a better opportunity, like the, the, uh, the idea of being adopted into the family of God and, and being able to say, whoa. Because I think we all kind of like frame our minds or frame our lives around our earthly ideas a father figure, you know, our, the, uh, the man in our lives, especially as guys who were our role models, good or bad. And we frame our lives after them. It's like monkey see monkey do. But what's cool about the faith is now we have a perfect example. When you come into the family of God, you have this perfect example who is exemplified in the life of Jesus, of sacrificial love, of humility, of strength. Every positive thing, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, all of those qualities. And that's the beauty is that even in the situation everyone listening is under, you know, that there is the uh, opportunity to be adopted into the family of God and redeem that. He is faithful. He redeems. Play that. Uh, if we couldn't get any sadder. But this will be the lowest moment, then we'll climb out of it, all right? It's pretty sappy, but it's good. Yeah. You're not an adult till you're 18. Do you want me to be your daddy for the next eight years, son? Huh? Yes, sir. You do? <laughs> Boot camp, my preteen. Why do you want me to be your daddy? I have no daddy. You have no daddy? 
Well, let me tell you something. Come here, give me a hug. How's it? My name's Patrick. So the clip for the listener only, um, it's like this kid, he's on like a Jerry Springer show or something. He's probably been misbehaving. His mom has him on this television show to reform him. So he gets this warden or this like uh, boot camp guy up to uh, scare him straight. And the guy says, you want me to be your daddy? Says, yes, sir. So why do you want me to be your daddy? I don't have a daddy. I first saw that a few weeks ago, and I was going to put that on the show for uh, an episode a few weeks ago, too, but I was like, no, nah, that's Father's Day stuff, man. That poor kid. So many people like him. I think that's a testament to the fact that you don't even know the role that you can be playing in someone's life, especially as a believer. Um, I could share a quick story. My uh, dad, my, my parents were youth pastors growing up, they, and to this day, they do a lot of youth ministry, even though they're senior pastors of a church. Um, and one of the girls that grew up in their church was recalling maybe after like 10 to 15 years of being plugged into the church, the first time she ever went to youth, she needed a ride home. A lot of kids needed like the carpool to get to church because their parents wouldn't bring them. And as this new kid, she got a ride home from the pastor and the pastor's wife, which uh, was already uncomfortable enough. But on the ride home, apparently my parents got into this huge fight, arguing with one another, raising voices. And, uh, and it, it got pretty bad. And my parents apologized and moved on. And they never brought it up again with the student because they were so kind of ashamed of, of letting themselves be seen in that light from a newcomer. Well, fast forward, you know, years and years later, uh, this girl was recounting that first night. I remember you guys got in a fight in the front seat. And my dad apologized to her. I'm so sorry. I don't know what, you know, that wasn't the, the best light that you could have seen believers in. And she said, you know what I remember about that night? That was the first night I ever saw a married couple get in a fight and it didn't end in blows. Wow. And you reconciled in front of me. You apologized and confessed your love for one another and affirmed your commitment to one another. And you moved on. Mm-hmm. And she said, you modeled a Christian marriage for me for the first time in my life that night. Oh. And it's like, man, God can use any bit of it. Yep. And you never know, you know, in this situation is this little boy, obviously in this, you know, really organized circumstance, but these sorts of situations happen all the time. And it's our faithfulness that the Lord can use, you know? Yeah. And I, it's strange that, uh, you know, there's moments of discouragement. It's like, dude, what are we doing? We put a lot of effort in this thing. I don't know if you notice. And uh, sometimes it's like, oh, we got like 50 views, 100 views or whatever. And it's not that that's like a bad, bad thing, but I'm like, is it worth, you know, the effort <laughs> sometimes? And, and I know it is. It is, absolutely. I was telling my, my wife, she was having a moment of discouragement, not, not in reg- regards to the show, but I was... I was telling her, I was like, you know, sometimes we don't get to see the rewards for our work in like a monetary value or something like that, right? Or views. But our actions, it's like a role model, right? Like you look to your, your dad or somebody in your, when I was, you know, growing up here in Albuquerque, there wasn't a lot of role models, a lot of people in the creative world or, no, I, um, there weren't a lot of people to frame my life after. 
faithful Christians. Or... And so I looked for that elsewhere. But, but people are that way, and, and I think that there's such an important thing to just living a faithful, obedient life. And not that we do that perfectly, but fighting well, you know, like even for our kids. Like, I'm not ashamed of, of me and my wife um, arguing, but, you know, necessarily in front of the kids or like, we, you know, we, 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 we live life in front of our kids and with our kids. That, that's just this idea of like, uh, they're joining your family, you know? And so hopefully we have things okay you know, and deal with things in a respectful manner, have decent fighting rules, and call each other's names necessarily, but but they they observe us. And that goes back to that point of um the weight and legacy of our seemingly small decisions, but like those fights, you know, things like that. Things you would never like a fight of all things to be a positive example to somebody's life. It can be. It could also be a negative, right? Or not that, but like not fighting in front of your kids. Not setting an example of how to do it well. Because we all do it. We all have, you know, you know, arguments or whatever it is. And if you don't do it, you might, you know, your kids might grow up thinking, oh, it's, it's really, really bad if we fight. And if we fight, then there's, there's no um, spectrum, right? There's no gradient. It's all like black or white. Yeah, the first time you fight, it's like, we must be getting a divorce. Exactly. Because my parents never did this. You yeah. Know? Not me. My parents lived, they were, they were all, they were, they were good. They fought bad sometimes. But they, they also, you know, they also worked everything out. As a kid, did you ever pick sides? You were like, dad no. is so right, but he's like keeping his mouth shut. I, I can, I can I remember mean, a few times know. where like me and my brother were in the, kind of in the backseat like, dang, bro, he's just taking it right now. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, parents. <laughs> no, no shade. Uh, no, I think it was uh, it was a couple times bad. But you also need the bad as references, right? You need it like, okay, this is how you build like context. Like that was bad, okay. And where do we go from here? Yeah. And then you need, okay, that was healthy. That was good. That was good fighting. That was good. But it's interesting is that we 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 do we adopt that behavior from our parents or the people that we were raised by or good and bad. But what's cool, this is really, this is where my, my mind is right now is those things do form us. They, they, they're, they're subconsciously, you know, affect us, no doubt. But I really do think that we have the power to overcome those things in Christ, truly something you and I talk about, you know, sometimes about our identity. Our identity is in Christ. As Christians, our identity is in Christ. And so we're constantly in this reformation of self, of, of to be a Christian is to be a little Christ, is to be on this trajectory of becoming more and more and more and more and more like Christ, which means we're shedding our old life, die to self. And as we become more and more and more like Christ in our obedience and our faithfulness and our repentance when we fall short, the ripple effects that has on our families, on our communities, you know, 
And so that's what I was encouraging my wife about is it? she's, she's discouraged because she's like, I'm at home with the kids and I feel like, geez, what am I doing? But she's actually really, I think she has a really awesome ministry. Um, and I think you can technically call it that ministry is just the caring of others. But there's actually a really good article in that Calvary magazine, not, not the one we mentioned, but there's another one there that talks about the, the importance of discipling your children, not just raising them and not being friends with them, but it's by Calvary's uh, family pastor, Taylor Bronis did an excellent job. And it kind of points back to that, like the importance of that, you know, that's it right there. Oh, the red one. Yeah. It, uh, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting is that there's like, um, there's an explicit teaching that you, I'd be like explicitly teaching your kids, you know, but what was it? Um, they mostly pick up on what you do, not so much what you say. And so to reform our behavior is really like the, the big thing. And when we don't, you know, um, repent, uh, apologize and, and, and genuinely mean it, you know, um, but yeah, I think I think this whole uh, this whole father thing is so heavy. Uh, but as an encouragement to hey, I don't know where, where where the listeners are at. I don't know what your dad situation's like. Whether or not you have one. Whether or not he was a good one. Whether or not he was present. But you can change the trajectory of your sphere of your family, of your future. You know, if your dad was a, a punk, forgive him. There's that saying that um, unforgiveness is taking poison, hoping someone else, uh, what is it, something like poison, I don't know. Um, this says according to various sources unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die yeah that's it this is kind of a biblical precedent I think that people various sources are kind of pointing to forgive to be forgiven it's the same type of principle and Jesus says if you want to be forgiven you must too forgive and I think a lot of people carry that baggage of like my dad screwed me over this victim thing you know sure yeah he, he may have in some some capacity but you also have the power to overcome it to forgive him to change the trajectory of you and your family or your future family it's your responsibility the chances of those generational patterns are pretty high like if your dad was a certain way, it's probable that it was his dad was that way too. Because we take those things, we inherit those uh, things just through culture. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we adopt these types of like mindsets. That's what we think we are, who we think we are. We aren't. We are because we're, we're formed by them and that's what we know. But we're not bound by them we have the opportunity 
to redeem them, to redeem ourselves, our behavior, our family, our future. Get in here. Get in this book. Get to know it. Form your life to it. Could be the most, well, it will be the most important thing that you will do for yourself, but it'll be the most important thing you did for your, your wife or your future wife or your husband or your future husband or your kids. Love it. Come to love it. It's so counter, right? It's like what Paul says. He says, uh, no longer conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have this like pattern before we come to Christ, before we come to really appreciate the words here. We have this pattern of like, there's like this distaste. You have to, it's, a, it's, a requ- it's an acquired taste. But once you get that habit, kind of like that other thing. Of bad habits. Once you get that habit, oh man, dude, I was on a high. I couldn't stop. Like, this is life. And that's exactly what Jesus says. It's living water. Man does not live on bread, um, bread alone, but, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is truth. We live by the truth. All people do, whether or not they acknowledge it. And the truth is Jesus Christ. All right, I'm done preaching. I have a related post that I came across yesterday from, uh, it's called Epic Epic Christian Memes. I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on it in accordance to Father's Day. Because I recently had kind of a change of heart with with this certain idea here, but go ahead and read this. Mother's Day sermon. You are so loved and appreciated. Father's Day sermon. All right, everybody, shape up. What was your take? So my take historically has been like, yeah, I never plugged into men's ministry for this kind of reason. It always felt like you just power through your issues and you never get deep. But what's funny is the older I get, the more I see the value in someone just like telling me, like, you can do it. Just stand up and do it. Like, you know what's right. So just do what's right. And so in, in this post, I don't know if you can read this tiny caption that said, and you know what? Amen. That's kind of my take. And it, and it was pretty polarizing. Not my, not my take in particular, but the comment section was divided and uh, the original account kind of defended their original point. And so, I don't know, it's interesting to, Hold to on. talk so, about. So, elaborate here. So, it says, you know what, amen? Yeah, that's my post. You know what, amen. Like, so, t- so give, me, give me more on that, like on your perspective here. I'm, I'm curious. So, I, I think my issue historically with men's ministry, which then kind of ports into Father's Day sermons for me, is that I was like a teenager who didn't relate with that stage of life, being told to man up all the time, like constantly, and kind of being like, I didn't get us in this situation. Like I haven't had a chance to run a family and screw it up or a job or a society or a church or, you know, I'm not in leadership yet. I'm like being held accountable for it for some reason. And so Mm. the sort of like pick yourself up by your bootstraps message from the church a lot of times to young men fell on deaf ears for me until recently. And I I don't know if it's marriage or maybe this like friends group that I'm a part of that is like calling me up to be a man of God and calling me up to things that I'm capable of. I hear that now. In a different tone. In a totally different tone. And it lands. One that like, yeah, galvanizes me and like 
anchors me and it's like you know what yes like shape up i need to shape up you're right you need to shape up let's get to work you you're, know you're ripe it's interesting you know it's it, it there are different times in my life where i'm like that's the wrong message that's the wrong tone that's the wrong i just wasn't ripe i wasn't ready mm. and we we can sometimes often often we can um change our message to accommodate but i don't think that's the right thing i just they're not ripe. People, some people aren't going to receive it. Some people aren't going to listen. And then the people that will, who are ready, they will. And that actually, you get a lot of freedom from that idea of like, now don't be abrasive for the sake of being abrasive or whatever, you know, don't have to be a punk, but be a leader and call people up. <clears throat> and um, if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. And sometimes it's not the tact, it's, it's the receiver. Because there's a responsibility both for the deliverer and the receiver. The deliverer has to be authentic. They got to have love in their heart. And they got to have a good intent. But if you're doing that, sometimes you're not always going to land. You know, as a dad, sometimes that's not always going to land. It's not always your responsibility. And that sucks because it's like, dang. I look at some of my um, uncles or, you know, certain situations, father-son relationships that you observe in your life. And they can be like that, right? And sometimes kids aren't ready for that message, you know, totally. Got to know your audience, I suppose, too. But as men, I think you can, you know, generalize and say, come on. I think so, too. And I think... If that strikes a chord in a weird way, you probably have something unresolved, I think. Mm -hmm. If it hurts more than like, oh, you know. There's a cool saying too, is like, um, you put, put a pebble in someone's shoes. Sometimes they won't accept it, but then they're stuck with it. They're going to take it on their shoe with their journey and they're going to have to eventually wrestle with it and eventually take their shoe off and deal with it. Take that pebble out of their shoe. And... Um, Yeah, there's no perfect message. That's that's the interesting thing too. Is like, I think we have this. I love I love saying I always say it's like we have this arrogant perspective, and it's true because we think that we could do it better than Jesus, and like Jesus didn't always land. The prophets didn't land. The prophets were really only cherished and praised after their time. As Jesus says, that a prophet is not welcome in his own town, or he's not. Um, something along those lines. That's typically the case. You know, someone who's going to be out there telling the truth in love, sometimes they're not going to land. Well, often they're not going to land. That doesn't say that they're wrong. Not to say that Jesus was wrong. Of course he wasn't wrong. But he says a servant is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they hated me, they'll hate you. Christian, you got to be okay with them hating you. Some people will hate you, and they're not hating you for you. That's the cool thing about identifying with Christ, is that you can kind of hide in him, hide in the shadow of his wings, you know? In a sense, not, not in a cowardly way, it was like, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful. And if they hate me, they're not hating me, because I'm identifying in Christ. And it's not like you're trying to like make them hate Jesus, but 
there's this weird freedom in that, you know? Anyway, so uh, we had a question, or not a, was it a question or a comment? We had somebody call in. Yeah, I'll pull it up for you here. It was a comment. Um, Got a text message on our phone number. From Dan from Ewing Dry Goods. This guy's uh, an awesome Instagram acquaintance of mine. He's also a fellow artisan. He makes leather goods. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Hey, Chad, this is Dan from Ewing Dry Goods. Love the podcast and your authenticity. You're talking about all the stuff that goes through my head and all the stuff I wrestle with intellectually and emotionally. Keep it up. Hey, that's so nice, man. Thank you, Dan. Hey, one of these days, maybe I'll have you on, man, if, um, if you got a setup or whatever it is. I'd like to talk to you about maybe the creative process or something. What's that but, phone number that people can, can add? Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for writing in. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to write in or uh, phone call in, leave a message or whatever, uh, phone number is 505-600-2399. 505-600-2399. Call in. Make a funny. Tell us a joke. Live in the show. Be fun. we have any other questions? Yeah, we have a couple. Elsewhere? Uh, we have one that says, what's your favorite memories with your dad? One of your favorite memories with dad. Oh. McDonald's. My dad would sometimes take me to McDonald's on Saturday morning. We'd get a sausage McMuffin. Just as a kid, you know? It was cool. There was one time when um, we had this firework in the back of his car for a long time. Funny, funny. This is, this is my dad in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Dad. But we, uh, it was a bottle rocket. It was like a big bottle rocket. Oh, my gosh. But the stick, the back, the stick was broken. So it was just like a, a firework. Yeah. <laughs> just like ready to go off. Yeah, but it had like a real, like a stem of a stick, right? And this, it was this whole big stick was off. And it, those of you guys that know, if you have a bottle rock, you got to have the stick because the stick helps guide it through the air. And so, you know, he had the bright idea that we would stop in this like dry field. It was just like a dry lot. And uh, we pull over and uh, it's just me and him. And he's like, oh, let's do this. He's a spontaneous guy. He's, a, he's fun. He's a cool guy. So he gets out of the truck or the car or whatever we were driving and he, he gets this firework and he sticks it in the ground and then he lights it and the, and the bottle rocket goes up and then right down and it starts a <laughs> fire immediately in this dry patch of this whole thing. So he has to run over and stomp it out right away. But I, <laughs> that was a pretty fun time. He was a silly dude. What else? Okay, we have... In what ways do you hope to have the biggest impact <coughs> on your children? Uh, what are the ways? Oh, 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 geez. Oh, it goes back to like leading worship and seeing those dads, you know, take their kids up. I mean, this, imagining my kids genuinely coming to the Lord. You know, it's my job to raise them in the Lord, to teach them uh, about the scriptures, to kind of guide them in the path so that they know the truth and, and they know, but. At some point, they're going to have to make the decision on their own. And, uh, and it's going to be their decision to make. So I hope in some way that I can help, you know, exemplify a faithful Christian, a f you know, that fails, uh, but gets back up, keeps going. You know, hopefully not, you know, making it feel like an un 
unfeasible. I, I worry about that sometimes too. You know, I think that's why it's cool to show your broken side, to show your vulnerabilities, because I think it could become like, uh, how am I going to ever be, you know, live up to that? I think it's like the golden child syndrome, or you know, the, the there's like this idea of like sibling rivalries. It's like somebody's a well-behaved kid and. But you know, I don't want to set the bar high in any way. So it's actually good to like throw your failures forward. So like if I, if I can do, that's what's so cool about the scriptures, right? You got David, you got all these, the king, the, the fathers of our faith in a sense, they're all f- dramatic failures at certain moments. And so it kind of makes the faith really, it's like Peter's a perfect example. He denies Christ three times. And yet the Lord still has mercy and fa- in favor towards him. And he says, come on. Let's keep going. So that's, yeah. So giving them, you know, hope uh, and hopefully not discouraging them from uh, the faith in any way. We have another one. Uh, what would you say to people who say that having several children is irresponsible? Wrong. Wrong. Donald Trump, wrong. wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, just so wrong. I mean, think about, you know, the past generations, they're just having kids at like 14 years old all the way up until 40. (laughs) I mean, it's like pretty common to have like 10 kids two generations ago. Did I say two or 10? You said 10 children two generations ago. Yes, okay, I got a little lost there. 10 children. It's like people were having tons of kids and they were poorer than we are. We are so wealthy. Like the context here, come on guys. Not, I'm not, yeah. I'm saying that to myself and to my wife. <laughs> I want more kids. You know, we do okay. We're not, you know, in any, by any means, we're, we're doing a lot better than my grandparents were. Let's say that. So no, if, if, that's, if that's a part of the question, you know, um, the thinking of the question, I don't think it's irresponsible to have a ton of kids. Have a ton of kids. That's where your wealth is, the Bible says, isn't it? Yeah. Crown on your head many children obviously be faithful with them do do what you can now to raise them right and but provide well anything else yeah we have one says uh what characteristics do you think your grandparents passed down slash how would you describe their legacy Hmm. well funny enough we didn't do do we broke the i know we broke our tradition and uh, yeah, we're going to pay the price for it, I think. So the story of St. Poncho, in my mind, this is, a, again, a collaboration with me and my mom, but there are candles and other things, but candles and the idea of St. Poncho. It's my grandmother. She was kind of like the uh, matriarch. Yeah, matriarch of the family. But she, she loved Jesus. And um, my grandpa was a little bit more of a, straggler on that end but uh his name was poncho or he was his nickname was poncho alfonso his sister couldn't pronounce alfonso so she called him poncho i love that isn't that awesome and so uh so it's a combination of the saintly aspect of my grandmother and my grandfather but i kind of think of them in this in this brand here because she was she was like the godly spine of the family she kind of held things together but he was also Rough around the edges, tough love, 
That's how it was back then, though, man, especially in New Mexico. But um, he was a smart man. He worked, I, think, I believe he built a lot of these freeway bridges, or really? like the original ones, at least. He was the engineer. He's a very, very smart guy. So I, take, I think I take a lot of, funny enough, that's an that's a on-topic question because the identity, right? Totally. We derive identity from our ancestors. But I don't necessarily feel like I derive a ton of identity from them outside of the Christianity of my grandmother, you know? So that. So with that, let's do a final video and get out of here. This is, a, this is a, definitely a tone changer here. But I saw this today and I... It's pretty good. So there's this guy that's like haphazardly roaming this neighborhood vandalizing houses it looks like is that what's happening he's throwing rocks at houses throwing yeah. rocks through windows and stuff and there's like three guys just following him around not doing anything about it yeah he's throwing these huge like boulders at this window on like a lake lakefront house boom smashing off the siding of the smashed house, it through windows Golf cart comes in, runs him over. Plows this dude over out of nowhere, out of left field. And then he just stays planted on him. He doesn't even run him over, over. He just keeps the golf cart. He pins him. Yeah, he does. He pins him there and just looks at him. Oh, geez. That's awesome. Okay. That's it, I think. Love you. Bye.